0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome
1: to Raising Independent Thinkers. This show is a space for families who are homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling. We'll explore alternative teaching methods, federal and state homeschooling laws, And most importantly, this show is a platform where families can inspire one another on how to raise independent thinkers. I'm your host, Bathsheba Omani, Montessori educator, homeschooling consultant, owner of Homeschool Guide, LLC, and mother of two. Let's get started. Good evening, everyone. Today is Sunday, December the 13th, 2020, and this is the Raising Independent Thinker Show. I'm your host, Beth Sheba. Hope you all are doing well, Um, staying blessed and healthy. We finally made it to December, and I'm truly grateful that this year is coming to an end. I know that this has been a tough year for many people out there. Um, People are going through real hardships with businesses closing due due to COVID. And I just wanted to encourage someone out there and inspire someone to just take one day at a time, find peace, even in the most turbulent moments. And despite everything that's going on, please don't forget to take care of yourself. Two weeks ago, I talked about self-care. And um, how it it seems to be easy to forget about yourself, about your well-being, especially when you're taking care of other people. But I believe taking care of yourself is what's most important during this time, making sure that you're drinking enough water, getting all your nutrients, getting outside, being in the sun. And I have to be honest with myself and say that this year has been a really good year for me. It has brought me wonderful opportunities. I've been able to overcome some of my challenges of not, you know, believing in myself with certain things and pushing myself into creating a business and becoming an entrepreneur, starting this podcast, um, partnering with a company to serve families in the community, um, offering parent-child classes and being able to work from home full-time, instructing adults in receiving their Montessori training, becoming a homeowner. So, you know, this, this is the first time that I've felt accomplished in all areas of my life, and I don't have anything to complain about. And I say this because I know what hardship feels like. I know um, what it feels like to be struggling as a single parent. And it's made me want to appreciate even more the, the good things that's happening in my life. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about setting real expectations. Um, you may be a parent who is homeschooling or you, you may have a child going to public school or private school and you're just doing the best you can in teaching them what when you have time at home, whatever your role is. It's important to set expectations for yourself and your children, mostly yourself, and I'll get into that later on. So as a former teacher, um, I would say for more than half of my teaching career, I had very high expectations for myself. You know, the way I set up my classroom, how I managed my schedule and students, and each and every year I would start having the expectations that things will go as, as I planned. Um, I consider myself to be left brain dominant, which means I'm pretty rational. You know, I'm I'm a logical thinker. I like to be neat and organized Um, and I enjoy setting goals and trying to follow it. So during that time as a teacher, I had a plan on how the school year would go, and what I realized is that there is a difference between what happens and what we expect will happen, right? And what happened is that every year I noticed that when working with people in general, things never go the way you want them to. And it took me, it took me time to let go of that feeling of control because that's exactly what it is. And once I let go of my own expectations that I had, I started to acknowledge what's important and what's more realistic. I also started learning to expect the unexpected, um, go with the flow. I got good at being flexible and not complaining about um, wasting time, about being upset because things didn't go the way I wanted in order for your reality to meet your expectations, expect that things and people will not necessarily turn out the way you. And this is one of the greatest lessons um, that I learned being a teacher. So as parents, we also have these high expectations for ourselves that are not always realistic. You know, I think many times what our beliefs where our beliefs come from is society's expectation. I remember um, when my kids were younger, I had this expectation for myself that I would manage everything in the house. You know, I scheduled the doctor's appointments. I paid the bills. I did the shopping. I did the laundry. I cooked, I cleaned all, all when having, um, with having two young children, one having a physical disability. And over time, I knew that the expectation of doing it all myself was unrealistic. So I had to learn how to reach out for help. Um, And I will never forget this lovely teacher who offered to assist me at home. Um, This is back when I lived in Ohio, um, I would say over like 10 years ago. And she was my son's teacher's assistant at the time. And she she was looking for some extra work. So I paid her to come three days a week in the mornings because that was my busiest time. And she was such a great help for me during that time. And it still makes me feel a little bit emotional thinking about it because as a parent, you want to be able to do it all. You know, it's never a good feeling to feel needy. (laughs) You don't want to be a failure, you know, but I knew that it was more realistic for me at that time to get help. And I knew, you know, I know many people can't afford extra help. So this is when you might want to ask a family or a friend to help you out. Or even um, if you have an older child, giving them a little bit more responsibility so that, that you're not taking the whole load on, upon yourself. So please feel free to call in if you would like to add to the conversation. The number is 425-569-5169 and and hit that number one. So another ridiculous expectation I had as a parent was trying to get my body back as fast as I could after having my second child. And although both of my pregnancies were high risk, I had hypertension, hypertension, and gestational diabetes at the time, I was more concerned about my body bouncing back than actually my body healing. And again, this belief was coming from society's expectations. You know, you see all the celebrities that bounce back after they give birth, and over time, it just seems like a normal thing to do. But over the years, my weight has gone up and down, and i started to realize that i need to do the best that i can do schedule exercise into into my week and remind myself to maintain a healthy diet for the purpose of my well-being and physical and mental health and not because i want to lose a certain amount of pounds so that was definitely another lesson for me another way we can set a real expectation for ourselves is holding ourselves accountable And that could be a hard one, you know, creating routines that you know you can commit to and being honest with yourself and figuring out what you know you can do. Um, Staying away from viewing yourself as a victim, which can be easy to do, especially if you're already feeling defeated. And um, don't let other people affect what you're trying to accomplish, And that's something else that can be difficult. Um, It's easy to allow other people to become a distraction. Or even seeing what other people have that you don't have can become a distraction. And lastly, have a sense of ownership for yourself and the consequences for your actions. And also be proud and reward yourself when accomplishing something um, good. So when it comes to expectations for our children, one of the things that parents seem to worry about the most is whether or not their children are hitting appropriate targets for their age. And I would speak to many families during my teaching career, and what I found each year was at least half of my parents had unrealistic expectations for their children. Now, sure, you know, we want our children to learn how to use the toilet by the age of three or to start reading by the age of five. And sure, it would be great if our um, older child, our 10-year-old, enjoyed sitting down and doing homework for an hour. But the reason why these examples sometimes cause a conflict or are unrealistic is because many parents tend to have um, high expectations that are unrealistic for their specific child. It's great to be able to say, you know, my child is academically above everyone in the class. And there's, you know, there's even more pressure that families feel to make sure their child is on top, especially in the private sector. So it's important to understand what your child is capable of doing before setting expectations. And um, research what is developmentally appropriate for your child's age. You know, when we expect our children to do things that they're not able to do, it can cause many issues like anger, stress, anxiety, low self-esteem, et cetera. So please be mindful of that. I've seen time and time again parents yelling at their young children to to use their words, you know, use your words, use your words when the child may not even have the right words to use at that moment. Or, you know, now that more children are at home due to COVID, some children are spending more time working on the computer and feel even more pressure to learn how to manage their own time. And this might be difficult for a child that isn't used to being as responsible. Sometimes what looks like a lack of will um, may actually just be a lack of skill. So I think we also must be mindful about that. Now sometimes it's easy to be fooled. <laughs> I've been around children that will tell me, you know, they can't do something and later that day I realize that they can do it. So how do you know if it's a lack of will or or skill? And I say observation is always the key if a child usually complies but isn't doing what he's he's been able to do in the past then odds are it's a lack of will but remember there's always a reason a child is shutting down or doesn't comply Um, and it's up to the adult to figure that out through observation and, and support them through it so I think um I'm going to play a clip. Um, This clip is called um, Letting Go of Expectations by Heather Marshall. And she talks about her experience in searching for her biological parents and being able to let go of expectations that she had and rest in the reality of the moment. So... um, I thought it was a good clip, and I hope you enjoy it.
2: I am here to help you do even more unzipping of your minds and of your hearts. Roxy Clay came out here and challenged your expectations. And I'm going to ask you to unzip and let your expectations fall out and push them aside altogether because they're holding you back. Expectations are those lists of things we build up that tell us how things should be They keep us feeling safe. And they also often prevent us from being fully present in our lives and from living to our highest potential. So I'm going to tell you about my journey away from expectation, which also turned out to be a journey towards self-empowerment and hope, and then how it might apply to your relationships as well. I first learned about the power of letting go of expectation on my journey back to my natural family, my birth family. I'm adopted, and my adoption is a fairly standard post-World War II story in Great Britain. My natural parents live next door to each other in a small town near the east coast of Scotland and when they finished high school they went to the west of Scotland to Glasgow a whopping 38 miles away. My father went to Glasgow University, my mother went to nursing school and when she became pregnant they decided they were going to get married but they were going to wait and tell their families when they went home on Christmas break. So they expected to end that year by becoming a family That was December 1966. What they got instead was a tearful breakup outside my father's garage. From my mother, that was followed by a stay at a mothering home, a daughter who left the hospital before she did, a bill for my foster care, and ultimately, my adoption. My father paid penance by working as a bricklayer for a year before he returned to university in Edinburgh. They never saw each other again whatever expectations they had were shattered. On top of that, they were told that they should be grateful, privileged that they had a chance to redeem themselves and move on. This is all pretty standard stuff for that time and place. And I'm telling you this because I want to note that although my parents learned not to expect in the wake of our separation, this is not the productive kind of letting go. The kind of letting go that they learned is rooted in shame and in punishment. There isn't any hope in it. It's about shutting down. And what I would like us to do today is learn how to let go and open up. So fast forward 18 years from that tearful breakup in the garage. My adoptive father, my dad, had made it clear that he would totally understand if I wanted to go and find my natural family. And this is a lot easier in Scotland than it is here. They don't alter birth certificates. The adoptee has the rights to all the records. So I took myself off to the House of Records in Edinburgh, and I got hold of my birth certificate. It had my birth name, my mother's name, her then address. It took me another 18 years to decide to search. The lead up to that would take another TED Talk or two, mostly something had shifted inside me on a trip back in 2003 i walked past the house listed on the birth certificate and i just couldn't let it go after that i was led entirely by my gut i kind of had to be adoptees are less than five percent of the population only a few of us search and only a fraction of the people who search actually wind up being in reunion there aren't enough of us for there to be a guidebook and for me this turned out to be a good thing. It did help that I had had my own child, my first child, um, in somewhat similar circumstances to my own birth. It also helped that I knew two other friends who were adoptees who were in reunion. They had gone into the reunion with a litany of expectations. One friend um, was in a relationship with her natural father that could best be termed as clandestine. The other friend's father drank himself into ICU the first time they met. Their relationships with all their natural families were fraught, to say the least. So I went in with an awareness of the risks. I looked clearly at the risks, and I decided to go ahead. I went in also trying to pare back to what I really hoped without the expectation. And what I hoped was to find my natural mother. I wanted to know where I came from. Yes, part of me did want the Oprah-style reunion. You know, the one where you go, and the whole gigantic, attractive, successful, natural family welcomes the adoptee on whom they've been waiting their whole life. But I did not go expecting it. I paired back and back to what was driving the hope. I knew I had to hang on to that. I knew I had to be whole, and I had to expect nothing. When I felt ready to do that, I contacted Birthlink in Scotland. This is a non-profit agency that helps adoptees and their families connect with each other. I put my name on the list for a searcher. That takes some months. So in the waiting time, I searched more deeply within myself. I asked myself all kinds of odd questions. What would I do if I found my mother and she was dying and needed my help? What would I make of it if I found her and she was alcoholic, obese, if she was destitute, a retired prostitute? And I realized that anything that would bother me deeply would do so because I already saw it as a weakness in myself. In other words, anything I might want her to change was really something I wanted to change in myself. I believe this is also called owning your own stuff. I also talked to my brother. He's also adopted. And he said, Look, Heather, the only thing you really have to worry about is if you go to meet her and she comes to the door with her bags packed and goes, All right, darling, where are we going?
0: Because she thinks she's moving in with you.
2: Anything else, you can just run away from. Stuart is often good for a little bit of comedy with some truth embedded. And he was right. Either one of us could end the relationship at any moment. And isn't that the case with all our relationships? We behave as though in our relationships, especially our significant ones. We behave as though we're operating with some kind of a relationship union, like a pipe fitters union, that's gonna uphold our expectation contract. But the truth is, relationships live in a right to work state. Any party, and sometimes a third party, like sudden death, can end the contract with no notice and no cause. And that is a scary truth to face. But as with any other truth, all the expectation in the world can't stop it. What I knew, what my natural parents and I had lived for nearly four decades before we came face-to-face is that expectation doesn't guarantee you a thing. So I entered the relationship knowing the risks. I entered the relationship owning what I brought. I entered the relationship without that guidebook. And here's the good thing about there not being a guidebook. There aren't any articles about what a good reunion looks like. Like the articles you read that imply that all the other married couples have more sex than you. The skinny woman next door eats cherry pie for breakfast. (laughs) The other guy's business makes more money than yours, and it's more fun to work there. All the things that build up our expectations, and they wreck our chances of honoring what's right in front of us. So when I entered the relationship in this way, what I found that I was able to really rest in and notice small moments and to take joy there. I noticed, for instance, the grain of my mother's freckled hand wrapped around her mug of tea the first time we met. I got to experience her with the sureness of adulthood and the heart of a child. I didn't have my expectation checklist running through my head. <clears throat> That's what expectations do. They tend to run through our head, act like uh, third party in our relationship constantly vying for our attention. And that feels okay when things match up. But even then, we've stepped away from the moment and the relationship to check in with them. And when things don't measure up, then we really go aside. We start talking to expectation, asking it for affirmation. He should have brought me flowers, shouldn't he? She should run those meetings on time. And our expectation list says, oh, yes, honey, you are right. Get back in there and make them do it your way. So you keep asking and asking and getting grumpier and grumpier when things don't measure up. If you've asked a couple of times and you haven't gotten the response you wanted, you're probably not going to get it. And in that stepping away to measure up with expectation, you've missed the moment and the relationship as it unfolded. That might have offered a path forward. And even when the worst thing happens, when your expectations aren't met, and another path forward isn't on offer, you're then resting in the truth, and you can choose to move yourself forward from the truth of that relationship in that moment. Expectation does not stop painful stuff from happening. It just blames it on somebody else. What expectations do is pull us out of the moment. They hold us in an infinite loop of false possibility. So I challenge you today to free yourself from this loop of false possibility. Before you leave this building this afternoon, think of one relationship that has one unfulfilled expectation in it. Let the expectation go. Search yourself. Own your stuff. Commit to entering your next interaction in that relationship without the expectation, hanging on to some hope, and then just allowing yourself to fully rest in the reality of the moment. Whatever needs or wants you might have, it's possible that those can be met in some other way, but not by this person at this moment. Settle your heart to that, and then move yourself forward. I think you'll find that if you can be brave enough to rest in reality, human and flawed and possibly beautiful reality, it will take you places better than you've ever dared to expect.
1: Hey, I'm back. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed that clip. Um, you know, she talked about letting go of expectation and I thought her story was interesting getting to meet her biological parents without having expectations, which must must have been difficult, especially when you're waiting for something for so long waiting to meet um, your your parents. And she seemed to learn to make the best of each moment. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed that clip. So what my experience has taught me is that, yes, it's natural to want things to work out according to the plan. But when they don't, know that it will be okay. And I learned how to create plans, goals, intentions, and allow for a quite, quite a bit of flexibility And I also um, learned how to let go of perfectionism and just tried doing my best to stay in the present moment. Um, So if there is no callers on this evening, I'm going to go ahead and end the show. Um, It's such a good topic, and I'll probably come back to it um, in the future. And as always, I enjoy talking to you. I hope I inspired someone out there. Stay healthy and blessed and um, talk to you next week, same day and time. Peace.